Hi, everybody. Welcome back to episode two of Talking About the Big Stuff with Michael Cole. Uh, today, I am joined by my friend Matthew Cravat. Did... Cravat. Cravat. You've known me for how many years? You don't know how to pronounce my name. Sorry, but it when, would I, rhyme. when I dial your name with Siri, it always... It's, I'm now saying everybody's last name wrong. Uh, yeah, so It rhymes. Cravat. Matt Cravat. I mean, but it's not Matt, but if it was Matt, it would rhyme and it would be Matt Cravat. That's a good point. Um, yeah, no, I like... The, the Siri like fancies it up a little bit with cravat. You're not the only one. My daughter and I co-wrote a song called My Name is Cravat that to the tune of This Land is Your Land that she sings with every mispronunciation of her first name, her last name, my wife's first name. And that's, uh, she, this sets people straight with a song. Nice. Nice. Okay. So I wanted to, uh, you know, this, this show we've been talking about... Um, a big topic every episode. So the topic I want to talk about with you and, and um, is going to be atheism because uh, you and I are both atheists. And I think that's a good good thing for us to kind of discuss, especially because I think a lot of my listeners probably won't be atheists. Um, oh, they will be when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're proselytizing atheists because that, that goes well. Uh, no, but um, I also think that, so like I, I've been an atheist I've been admitting to myself that I'm an atheist for four years. Well, since we were, were friends, right? Like yeah. It happened dur- during yeah. our friendship. You're, I believe you're the first person I ever said it out loud to. I think I said it to you before I said it to Sarah. But um, you and I have a pretty different history as far as atheism because uh, you were... I, I was born this way. Yeah. yeah. You're born in, and, and you're... you're culturally jewish is that the socially jewish <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm a jewish socialist is that that's what you're going yes, for yeah yeah. Yeah, no, no. yeah so my grandfather kind of gave up his faith as a young teen 12 13 14 kind of thing yeah uh, before he even ran you know semi ran away from home to come to america and so while we were raised with jewish tradition and celebrated jewish holidays just because they were things that we did as a family there was never any belief associated with it when I was growing up. You know, I didn't right. even realize that other people really believed it, you yeah. know, for a long time. Yeah. So I was raised Catholic in Massachusetts, and I... Uh, That's gr- redundant, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there are, <laughs> there are non-Catholics in Massachusetts. If you go to Newton, there's some of there's some Jewish people. And I, I, Actually, I knew a Jewish person in Newton. Yeah. 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 But... um. I was yeah, I was raised by a Catholic parent and and a non-religious parent. He does he's never used the word atheist to describe himself, but when he talks about it, he's basically atheist. So yeah. I, he would not like me to use the term atheist about him, but he he's basically there. That's my father who's older than your father also actively didn't use the word atheist. Like we would yeah. talk about it and he would say I don't believe in religion, but to him atheist was a politically charged word that he didn't mm-hmm. like. Since moving to North Carolina, and being surrounded by religious activists pushing religion on him, he's much happier to embrace the word atheist now. Yeah, yeah. My my dad, I think part of it is that my dad also just doesn't love labels. Like he's just he likes to be he's off the grid as far as labels. So I like that, that. I, I also I'm not a fan of labels. I mean atheist yeah. is a simple word that yeah. like all the other words around it are more labely to me than atheist, which just has easy definition, does not believe in God. Period. Yeah. It doesn't add other things there's a lot of other labels that i could use and do use but i i'm less comfortable with them because they're more labels right and my mom is is very catholic well i mean she's come around on a lot of stuff like uh you know like she's i would say she's fairly reasonable when it comes to like you know she seems to be pretty good with gay rights and things like that so she's not like a bigot like catholic although uh, i do know some of those um but be, between the two of them, you know, my, my, I think, I honestly think, and I, my, nobody's confirmed this for me, but I think the reason why we were raised Catholic is because my dad didn't feel like having the fight. And I think that's what it was. And I feel, and I get it. And I think he, he didn't come to atheism from a standpoint, uh, for, or he didn't come to non-belief from a standpoint of, of great thought into it. I think he came to a standpoint of like, that's that doesn't make sense to me so I, I don't think about it so you know i i listen to a lot of atheist podcasts that i know you listen to as well um i've i i struggled for i mean i i didn't con, i stopped considering myself catholic at probably like 12 <laughs> 
but I still believed in some version of God and I liked the Jesus version the best. Like I now, I now like to say that Jesus is the great redeemer because he redeems God because the old Testament is horrifying. I don't know. I will just say that in the old Testament, when you died, you died in the new Testament. When you die, you get tortured for all eternity. So sure. you, you can judge which is worse. That's okay. That's a good point. But you, but he's the more, gen, he's the marketing He's the yeah. rebrand, basically. Yeah, he's the the new Jack in the Box character after Jack in the Box had all those E. coli cases and almost went out of business. Yeah. Then they rebranded Jack in the Box with Jesus, you know, but Jack and the new Jack, people forgot the old one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I find interesting that has come up since I have, I don't like using the word come out. I feel like I don't like appropriating it, but I don't, there's not another term that I'm aware of. Some people say, I mean, come, do you mean be going public or do you mean just yeah, come to the realization I mean, yourself? I've never said the words to my mother, I'm an atheist, yeah. but I've like, I'm pretty open with most people. Yeah. So, so a lot of people will say deconverted when yeah. they come out. And, okay. um, and I think religious like Baptists who come out of the faith, um, try to remember, they have a different word they use deconstructed. I think they say deconstructed, deconstructed. when they come out of the faith. And which is interesting. I only heard that recently, yeah. but then I heard it a bunch like the, um, Bader Madoff effect. Once I heard it, I heard it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, well, one of the things, as as a former Catholic who grew up in Massachusetts, I believe I, the term is recovering Catholic. Yeah, I've, I've heard that <laughs> term. I don't like that term uh, because the problem I don't like, and I, that's what I'm about to get into is is so I, I graduated high school from a Catholic high school in 2003, which was six months. I graduated six months after the Boston Archdiocese scandal in the Boston Archdiocese. So I've, all of my Facebook friends from high school, I don't know that there's five people from my high school class that are Catholic still. <laughs> like I legitimately don't know. Like, so, cause, yeah. cause it was, you know, we, there's a lot of us that jumped out because of that. Yeah. You get faced with the problem evil yeah. right up front. Yeah. But I find it interesting cause I've heard, cause I've had people, you know, say to me since I've been, well, atheist and open about it a bit, People have said stuff like along the lines of like, well, that's, you know, the recovering Catholic thing. And that's because, uh, you know, th you're mad at the Catholic Church. And it's like I consider those completely different separate things. Yeah. And and like to me, there's like four or five questions as a skeptic, I think, that kind of fit that that have been lumped together by non-atheists. And I think even some atheists are probably guilty of lumping it together, which is like, is there a God? If so, which one? If so, is it a good God? And is it deserved of worship to begin with? Yeah. yeah. And and if not, is is religion does religion have any benefit? And those to me, those are separate questions and they can have separate answers. Yeah. But and I, and I think it's interesting that you approach it from that there's a skeptic approach to it. Because I, I consider myself a skeptic or I try yeah. as well as well as I can be to be a good skeptic. And, and for those who don't know, that doesn't mean a cynic and it doesn't mean a conspiracy theorist, the opposite. Yeah. I want to know there's good reason to believe what I'm reasoning right. and what I'm, I'm believing. And but not all atheists come from skepticism. Like some some do come from I hate religion. Mm -hmm. And now now that breaks me from accepting the religious stories I was told. And now I see they're fictional, yeah. but they're still not skeptics. They still believe in the supernatural or they believe in conspiracy theories or, you know, urban yeah. myths. Because they don't come from it from skepticism. I think coming to it from, and I didn't really come to it from skepticism. It's just a, a coincidence that I'm both, or not a point as much as my father was a science person. He was a pharmacist. Yeah. And so I grew up with a science background, which leads to skepticism in some cases, in yeah. my case. So uh, so I think it's interesting that you, you, you have bunched the two things together of skepticism and atheism. Because like I say, a good skeptic will, will, will eventually have to become an atheist. A good atheist doesn't have to become a skeptic. True. Case in point, Bill Maher, who's a nut job, yeah. but is right on one question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely think that skepticism is what brought me there. Because, um, you know, I, I remember being a kid, I was a freshman in high school, so I was kind of done with Catholicism, but I was still pretty religious, or I believed in something, and I... Remember, we had a we had a priest come in every month to to like our religion class to answer questions and to talk to us, and I I remember you know and I'm sure you've probably talked to a lot of atheists who are going to kind of, who have had similar things where they they came to atheism trying to prove 
something correct that they found to be false. Um, and so I, we, we were having the discussion. Some, somebody was asking about uh, transubstantiation, which I don't know how familiar you are with. I'm that. from Brooklyn. Yeah. So, and for those who don't know, that's when you drink the wine and chew the wafer, that yeah. it actually becomes the blood and flesh of Christ in you, as opposed to the Protestant belief that it's symbolic. Right, right. So, but we, in, in Catholicism, it's not the chewing or the drinking that makes it, as far yeah, yeah, as yeah. I've ever been told. It's the them holding it above their head. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that it does become the flesh in your body right. when, when you consume it. Yeah. it. It doesn't just, it's not just symbolic like it yeah. is down around here in North Carolina. Yeah. So we had a, a conversation with the priest about that and people were talking about it. And I said, you know, this is, this is 2000 and this might've been 99 or 2000, you know, you know, freshman or sophomore in high school. And I said, uh, I had two kids. Um, so I said, you know, I, I was like, well, there's an easy solution. There's, you know, DNA, like have a, have a priest, yeah. you know. Check my poop. Is there old Palestinian poop in my in there? Well, I even, even <laughs> still just like have them transubstantiate some bread and some wine and then do a DNA test and find if it has human DNA. And, and the answer I was given was, well, it all has to be consumed before yeah. the end of mass. And it's but, like, well, oh, there's always these little caveats that are but like... But clearly it does, or you'd have rotting flesh sitting there true. after the service. True, yeah. and and honestly, when I, now when I think about it, at the time I thought it was a conspiracy. And, well, and I, it, and I was, it also is. Well, <laughs> yeah, but, but like they had that rule before DNA was a thing we knew yeah. about. Right, because so they like, could just do it visually. You can see that it's not flesh, it's still a cracker. Right, I mean, right. Yeah. So, Most people could figure that out. Yeah. And as somebody who's eaten both, I know that they <laughs> yeah. don't taste the same. So. No. Uh, but you mean flesh on a cracker? Mm. Yeah, it's true. Salty and a little bit of that like dry taste. Yeah. Um, well, especially during Passover when we can only eat the baby Christians on matzah. It's a pain. Yeah. Yeah. See, I was raised Jewish. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, when he said that to me thinking like, it's really convenient that we have to get rid of all the evidence by the time we're done with this ceremony. And then, you know, like there's the other things in there, like the, the whole story of Thomas. I remember my mom telling me the story of doubting Thomas. And and now when I think back on it, I, it's the South Park thing from where it's dum, 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 dum. It's like, how is it that every religion has some version of like vilifying the person who Don't thinks? ask questions. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, because it's not a bug, it's a feature. And mm -hmm. I and you know, that's some it's a conclusion I've only come to recently. But a book recommendation, or actually it's just chapter recommendation. Have you ever read the story The Dragon in My Garage by Carl Sagan? No. Yeah, so you should read it. It's a chapter in one of his books, so you can find it online, the text, and just read it like not even in you know, in a in, in one trip to the bathroom. Yeah. But it's basically about the that kind of a special pleading you know, there's always an answer to every question. And the basic concept is, if I told you there's a dragon in my garage, you'd say, show it to me. Then I'd say, well, it's invisible. And you'll yeah. say, well, can I touch it? Well, it's intangible too. Well, mm -hmm. can I see the market made on the ground? Well, it floats. You know, like, so the same as trying to track down God. Any test you have, right. there's always an answer. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just, yeah, that's, that's a good story. I haven't heard that before, but I'll read it. Um, yeah, I find the all of that to be interesting that like how much of it's built in how much because i i mean i know that atheism's existed in some way or form for for probably basically forever but the idea that a lot of this shit is thousand year a thousand years plus old that they've been having to like figure out how to like fool the smart people just or, a thousand you know you know you know you know what year it is right yeah, I'm and aware. that's just Christianity. I mean, Jewish no, but, year. But a lot of that, a lot of that Catholicism stuff. I mean, I'm coming from a Catholicism standpoint. A lot of that shit was added oh, hundreds it, of years. I thought it was Transformers. My mistake. Yeah, yeah, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of years after, after you know, the events that are yeah. uh, when the events were supposed yeah, to take place. I'm just place. saying the uh, the apologetics that have to get around yeah. the arguments yeah. go back to all religions. So yeah. if you want to go Judaism, you know, it's thousands of years more than Christianity, but that's but go back to Ugg, the god who throw rock at me. You had to have it. Why didn't we see Ugg throw the rock? Yeah. Oh, Ugg invisible. I mean, yeah. You know, since the beginning, there was always talking around yeah. um, whatever religion there was. Yeah, I like my favorite version of religion is the is the sky cake. 
Yeah, Pat Oswalt. Yeah, that's fuck you, man. Sky Cookies. Yeah, yeah. I also really love I. So I got into a big thing in the last year where I watch reaction videos on YouTube, and some of my favorite reaction videos have been religious people or semi-religious people reacting to George Carlin's religion bit where you know the there's an invisible man you know you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is amazing they need your money because there's some (laughs) that you're like okay it's ridiculous i get it but i like it and then there's like some where they're like he clearly doesn't understand and you're like uh does he not understand so where i thought you might be going is because i like also like reaction videos and i I watch a lot of ones that people reacting to music you know Mm -hmm. from from eras or from genres they don't Number listen to um i particularly like when black people he watch Prejudice. the videos well as i say watch like staying alive and see that the bgs were white that's always hysterical oh i didn't know that. yeah. oh, i knew one. that they were white but i didn't but but exactly um you say prejudice and that's a song by tim minchin all that they watch prejudice that's because they're, they're told to right watch yeah. prejudice but then they go deeper in the catalog and they get to the anti-religious ones mm-hmm. and the pro-skepticism ones because there's both and watching the reaction to those were always interesting because they, they they like yeah. they were starting to really like this guy because he was funny and he's witty and then he said something that shakes their core belief and, it, and the responses are are always interesting. Yeah. yeah, Sarah really likes some of his stuff. She can't listen to "Thank You God" anymore because it's not because she doesn't like it. It's the be- this is arguably the best reason to not listen to it <laughs> because I will sing it for hours afterwards because mm. I'll be like I'll be humming it if I'm doing the dishes I'll be like. Thank uh, you, know, I, thank and, you and, God, for fixing uh, the cataracts of Sam's mom. mom. Yeah. Bum, 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 and bum. I will literally like just be humming it along. Yeah. So that's the only reason she doesn't like it. It is the most earworm of his songs. Yeah. Yeah. I should I should tell you a, a story about Sarah and uh, atheism and it, that I think you'll find interesting. It's not a bad story, honestly. It, it's just when we when you and I first started hanging out, and I don't think that I was. I had acknowledged that I was an atheist yet. Yeah, I think when we first started talking about it, yeah. you found the debates really interesting, and you mm-hmm. were finding the politics interesting because the the podcast interesting because they match your politics. Yeah, and the religious parts you were kind of like saying that's really interesting, but you weren't. That's not wasn't your main thing listening, yeah. and they helped tweak you along the way. Yeah, yeah. So you you had mentioned some uh, triangle free thought event or something and so and for listeners triangle free thought society is a local non-believer society open to atheists agnostics secularists humanists and i happen to be on the board of directors yeah and most most areas in america will probably have something similar yeah we're a branch of the um american atheist association and we're an affiliate of, of theirs like it's more accurate we're an affiliate of american humanist association and we're the um, local chapter of the freedom from religion foundation so yeah. so if you're a non-believer and you think you're alone like google your city or the you know biggest city to you and the words atheist or secular or free thought and eventually you will find a group of like-minded people yeah um, Sometimes they're not the healthiest people. Like yeah. there's some, you know, you have to be careful. We try to be the most inclusive and welcoming group um, and kick anybody out who's not inclusive, ironically. But, um, but you know, so, you know, so go forewarned like any group. Yeah. There's good and bad. Every group has assholes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so you had told me about some event and I think I had said to Sarah, like, I think I might want to go to that. And she either hadn't met you or had basically not like, met you for much more than like a minute or two and so she was like i don't think you should do that i think atheists are bad people oh and clearly uh, she hadn't met me or she wouldn't think it she would know it yeah well it's funny (laughs) that you say that because then we started you know we went to a couple of parties at your house and i would imagine that at least 50 percent of the people are atheists at any party at your house but like generally she the only people we knew were atheists were you and madhavi and she loved you guys and you guys changed her mind about what atheists were because like you know she knows what my dad is but like because my dad isn't proclaiming atheism he's just not believing in anything in particular he she, she didn't consider him the same thing and so like she just was like these you know she thought that you like atheists were bad people and it made it made a lot of my life easier like as i you know at that point it that wasn't the thing that made it okay for me to come out because i hadn't admitted it to myself at that point but 
once I was ready, I was like, she's not going to love that I am, but at least now she, because she had said to me like, oh, they're so awesome. They're such nice people. And I, you know, I, she basically was like, atheists can be good people. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. arguably, I would guess that the stats are at least as good as any other. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it plays, a, I don't think, it probably doesn't play a factor, probably no correlation yeah. uh, um, one way or the other. Though I'll say the tagline of American Human Association is good without gods. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of the tag, yeah. I think that if I if I had been raised polytheistic or especially like old like like Greek mythology or something, I think I'd have stayed with it a little bit longer. Like honestly, it's kind of I mean the stories are just as horrific sometimes, but at least they don't they're not trying to sell them as moral play. Like yeah, certainly like, not. You know, like with uh, Poseidon was it Poseidon Poseidon raped Medusa and then Athena no, punished her or am I no uh, Medusa is Poseidon's daughter. That doesn't mean he didn't rape her. Yeah, that's a good point. But, that's, <laughs> but that was the. Uh, yeah. I thought it was. I thought oh, no. her ten. Her yeah, yeah, snakes actually, were. No, yeah, no, sorry, he didn't rape her. No, no, no. Pegasus was Medusa and and his daughter. That's right. right. Yeah, Medusa was gorgeous. Poseidon and had and um, and Medusa had sex in the temple. Of, I think it, I think it was Aphrodite, and he said it was, okay. she was prettier than Aphrodite, and they had sex like in her temple or something. Depends yeah. on the story, I guess. And yeah. that was the revenge she made her turn into a gorgon because yeah. the other gorgons were ugly. That's one of the things people always say she's so ugly, but I think in the classic story, she was still beautiful with snake hair while the other two gorgons who became her adopted sisters were hideously ugly because they were monsters. Yeah. I mean, but again, depending on the version you read in the coloring book you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I just, you know, not that that's a good story, but they never, I mean, maybe three four whatever thousand years ago when that was somewhat contemporary that was like a morality story but uh it's yeah, more entertaining because like, we have a different perspective on mythology even though mythology is religion to some like to some extent just dead religion or whatever yeah. we have this like there is a more entertainment factor more you know it's it's it, it well it, I, I it think lives in was, a different part of my brain yeah I guess. and i think there was you know the sophistication of of civilization that you could not have a peace-loving Jesus in the Bronze Age. It just, it just yeah. wasn't a realistic character for anyone to care about. So the earlier gods were all early religions where gods were like us. They had the same emotions we have. I mean, I mean, if you look at even the Old Testament, man was made in God's image. We don't. I don't think any re- Christians think God looks exactly like a person walking around. Right. You know, they're bigger. It's bigger than that. And you know whatever god is it's not just a big person yeah. so what does made in my image mean for the old testament if you look at the old testament god that's personality you know there's the same anger the same you know the same happiness the same love the same greed like god has all those things it wasn't until civilization became more civilized they said well we need a newer kind of religion yeah and i think the older the religion the more negative traits quote unquote that their gods had the more human like they were yeah so I want to, so as somebody who is in a mixed faith marriage, uh, I have a couple of questions, I guess, for Was that me or you? Well, I think you guys are on the same. We are now. Madhavi was still Hindu when we got married, um, but we were mixed culture for sure. But again, she was never super religious. She was always questioning, you know, she was always kind of on the cusp. When, when, how old were your kids when she fully embraced um, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know when the time was that she totally, I mean, it may have been before we were even married that she, you know, gave up just sometimes just being exposed to someone, <laughs> you may relate to this, being closely exposed to someone who's an atheist, I mean, with them, who's someone who's out makes it easier to say, oh, that's a choice. Like, yeah. I didn't even realize that was something I could, I mean, intellectually you do, but then when you realize, oh, my buddy is an atheist, or in her case, my husband's an atheist, or, you know, it's easier to take that step over and realize I don't need to cling to the belief. I can still keep my culture. Yeah. I can still keep the things I love about my background and my traditions. You can celebrate Christmas. You can do whatever you want. You just don't have to believe the yeah. thing. So I'm not sure actually when, I will have to ask her when the transition point was where she realized she didn't really believe anymore. Yeah, because I don't really see Sarah ever, and I don't care if she does or not. She's, I like to tell, I like to say that she's the good kind, uh, uh, the best kind of Christian, where her parents raised her to follow all the good stuff. Uh, they really never went to church. She doesn't, she has no denominational affiliation. Yeah. She, like, it, she just So believes... just American Christian as default. Kind, well, I mean, she didn't really grow up, most of her childhood wasn't in America, so it yeah. was... 
but her parents are both like Americans. So, um, ice. Did you hear that ice come to the house now? She, ice. she is, she was born in America and then her father was a banker and he went overseas, uh, for 10 years of her childhood. Trading four Nazi to gold. He was trading Nazi gold. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, but it's been a little weird since, so I, I realized I was an atheist when Logan was two and Sarah is Christian and we, at first there was a, when we, when it first started coming up around him, it was, she was a little combative to me really explaining anything about what I believed to him. She was a little on edge because i think she was like no we teach him this and then then and i'm like deprogramming is way harder than like as somebody who's now been through 20 years of deprogramming myself it, it is a hard process and i still have these weird thoughts like it's still like things where i think like these little like almost like the edge of your vision kind of like thoughts and so she's gotten on board essentially what she you know he knows that she believes in God and she believes in Jesus. He knows that story and, or to some extent that story, but he also knows that I don't. I've, Which is good because I'm sure Sarah wasn't thinking this at all in this positioning or context. But in a way it's saying, I would like you to lie to him about what you believe until mm-hmm. we think he's old enough that you can say, son, I've been lying to you. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's not a good place to be. Yeah, no, she, she never, I mean, she was always coming at it from the right reason and it really never came into we never practiced it at all what we what she was proposing um because i do my own thing (laughs) no i uh, one night last like two years ago i was washing the dishes and logan i was home alone with logan and washing the dishes and he said uh he said something about well jesus is the son of god everybody knows that and i said well my friend Matthew is is Jewish, and so he, or it was raised, or I thought you were raised Jewish. I didn't realize you were oh, atheist culturally. Yeah. yeah, and I said Jews don't think that, and he goes, "Well, that's stupid." And I said, "Well, an atheist." I said, and then there's atheists. I said he's now an atheist, and atheists don't believe in in God uh, at all, and so they don't believe Jesus was his son. And he goes, "That's stupid." And I said, "Well, I'm an atheist," and he goes then you're stupid. And I loved, <laughs> I loved getting razzed by him. You know, it's, he was, he would have been four, I guess at the time. Yeah. And it, what's funny is, I mean, he doesn't go to church, so he's just putting that together himself. But yeah. there's the, a lot of the stigma of atheism is taught that way in the church, even if unintentionally, like my son once got in trouble in school in second grade for pushing a kid. Mm-hmm. And we went to talk to the principal and the principal said, well, you know, he pushed Jan, German kid. Um, and, you know, and, and I said, well, did you know why? And he goes, well, they were having some disagreement. I said, well, yeah, but we asked Joseph because he's not a violent kid. He's got his issues, but he's not violent. And he, and Joseph said, it's because Jan kept saying, you're going to go to hell. Mm. And Joseph, and, and, and the principal said, I don't think a second grader would say that. I'm like, yeah, but a second grader who doesn't believe in hell wouldn't use that as a reason. Like, Joseph was not raised with hell as a concept. Yeah. He only knows about it because other kids talk about it and cartoon characters go there. Like it's a cartoon place to him. Yeah. And she went outside and happened to run into that student. She said she would talk to him eventually, but they happened to be on recess. And she asked him, you know, I heard Joseph pushed you. He goes, yeah, he pushed me. He was being mean. It's like, do you know why he pushed you? He goes, no. All I did was tell him he was going to go to hell. And when she recovered from her shock and said, well, why'd you tell him that? She goes, well, he's Jewish. And we learned in school, if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell. And and so Jews don't believe in Jesus, right? So that means he's going to hell. And when she then said, how do you think that made him feel? Jan started to cry because he didn't even mean to be mean. He thought Joseph yeah. was overreacting because he was just saying fact. And yeah. uh, they ended up becoming really, really good friends. Like literally that day, Jan apologized, Joseph apologized. They cried, they hugged it out. And they Jan moved to Norway, I think, his family, like next year. And they Skyped for like three years. Like you know, yeah. So they it worked out really well for them. But it was like, just kind of like Logan, I'm taught this is true. Yeah. And there's no, you can't have a different belief of what's true. Yeah. It makes it challenging. Yeah. It's it's also tough because like every, you know, like you, it's really difficult to teach Christianity as an option. Mm-hmm. And so like you get him a book or whatever, you know, like Sarah, 
when when my mother-in-law died uh all the you know logan and his two cousins got books about heaven and books you know, this and that and i really really was like hands off about it and i was like you guys are grieving and i don't want to interfere and that and i think they all thought it was too soon but like two or three weeks it must have been less than two weeks after she died we were all talking and we got into a bit of an argument about it and they were you know because i said like i don't want him learning that and they thought i was being overreacting and they're like you know this is what my mother believed and i'm like i get that that's what your mother believed but i don't want him learning that like i don't and it finally came down to like i had to explain myself and i uh, and i get get it from their perspective because i was a religious person for a long time and I get it from their perspective. And it sounds, and the way that they've learned it is such a nice version of it. So I understand it. But ultimately, my nephew kept talking about, like, well, Mama's in heaven. So if I jump out the window, I'm going to go to heaven and see Mama. Which makes sense. And it, it's, yeah, because he's this, I mean, I'll never tell Logan this, but he's the smartest of the three grandkids. <laughs> right. Like, and Logan, Logan's very smart, but my, my nephew is... I'll never tell Logan this, that I'm putting out on a podcast that will exist when he's old enough to listen to podcasts. True. But, no, I mean, there's three of them, and Logan, Logan's... You're, you're in the top three, kid. Yeah, he's... Yeah. But, you know, the kid... the My nephew is very logical. Yeah, it's a simple path and, to go down. Yeah. What's the bad... Like, I used to say to believers when I was young, I'd say, explain to me my why murder is wrong. Yeah. In a Christian worldview. Because yeah. if I kill someone, they're going to go to heaven or hell where God wants them to be. And if that's yeah. heaven, I save them the hardships of living on earth. Yeah. And if it's hell, well, if God thinks they deserve to be punished for eternity, isn't it a good thing that we started that sooner? Yeah. I said from an atheist point of view, ending someone's life is the worst thing you can possibly do because there's nothing else. There's no yeah. chance of them turning themselves down around of redemption of what they've done wrong in their life of bringing joy or love to the world is nothing worse but in a christian world you're doing god's will i don't get it yeah and and the only answer is well you know there's a a commandment that says don't yeah like oh there you go there's a lot of uh, little backup things like and i know that you've said this to me before but like when I explained that to them, they were like, well, suicide doesn't get you to heaven. And that's if you're how, Catholic. Yeah. Like Catholics yeah, have that out. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and, and I think that ultimately they were like, you can, you get to see Mama when you're an old man and die of old age. And I was like, all right, but. But you invented that part right just now. Like yes, that's not in yeah, the Bible. That's a part. whole bunch of yeah. added stuff, but they've been great. And, and I like, I don't mean that as a disparaging thing against my up against Sarah or my sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah. They were, you know, it was just, they were you have in the, belief the worst. System you have. It was the worst two weeks of their life. They were, you know, their their mother was the first person they'd really ever lost. And it was the, the worst two weeks of their life. And, and they have, like I said, arguably from, and I'm fairly familiar with a lot of versions of, of Christianity now. Their version is the nicest, gentlest, sweetest version of Christianity. And, and so, like, I get why, and I don't want to rob them of that, uh, but I also just was like this, I don't want this for Logan. I don't want Logan thinking, like, oh, yeah, Mama is there, so let's jump the sooner the, the balcony, better. or let's, you yeah. know. So, uh, my corresponding story, when Jacob, my oldest, was in, I think, third grade, is when... Um, my father-in-law passed away. They, my in-laws were back in India visiting family. He got a, a, a respiratory infection and ended up passing away while he was in... Oh, sorry. Dying. He died. He didn't pass anywhere. He died. Um, and so didn't come back. Went to India never came back. And Jacob was very... Jacob was just very much like him and was very, very close to him and, and rocked. And actually, Jacob's personality took, changed, I would say... I would have said permanently, but until he met his wife. Like, mm. she... He was the most solemn, stoic kid. He had never like was joyful after um, VJ died until really she drew it back at him again. So love her forever for that. But we were brought him to therapy because that's what you do. You know, when you don't, when you're not a believer, you're not going to bring him to church to talk to someone. So we brought him to therapy, and we don't talk a lot about our atheism to people. We're not like like joked about earlier. I'm not evangelizing atheism. Yeah. So we had kind of told them that we're not religious. We don't practice very much. But I'm Jewish and Madhavi's Hindu and kind of left it at that didn't talk about hardcore atheism so the therapist asks jacob 
in the first session we're there with him and then we'll leave him alone right the first session she says well i want to talk about what you think about dying so i know your father's jewish and your mother's hindu but i'm wondering what you believe and jacob says well uh, jacob goes and this is not and they all clapped he's precocious this is repeating what he's heard me say uh, describing religion he said i think it's just a bunch of nice stories you can learn from and that's how i've always phrased religion around them yeah and different all religions have good stories and some have some bad stories but you can learn good things from it but you have to pick and choose but she was kind of surprised by this answer and then he followed it up with oh wait i also believe the flying spaghetti monster created the universe and Malavi and i and the solemn moment like we're dealing with her father's death and my our son's depression and we laughed out loud mm-hmm. and um and she just looked at him confused and he said, you'll have to look it up on the internet. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and he, and that's the year I think that he found out people believe in religion. Yeah. Like he got in an argument with someone on the school bus about dinosaurs, the girl who didn't believe they were real. Yeah. And that's when he realized she really believed religion. Like he knew other kids had religion as something they did, but he didn't realize they thought the stories were true. He thought it was like, you know, I like Power Rangers. You like Jurassic Park. He didn't realize that it wasn't just liking these stories a lot. It was truly believing it until he was like, yeah. well, I guess he wasn't cognitively developed enough to understand you could believe that when he yeah. didn't believe it. Yeah. The one of the big things that that this is related to what you were just saying. Uh, one of the big things that atheism has helped me with is I feel like my dad and I have connected in a lot of adult ways like that. And it like, you know, I more as a peer, we finally hit that stage in our relationship uh, about 10 years ago before I was an atheist, but I was fully not a Catholic. And I was like, and that was something that I would basically, you know, tell anybody except for maybe my mom. Um, my dad was working at a Catholic church. He was a janitor at a Catholic church, and he would clean up uh, after the Holy Day. Um, Yom, the, Yom Kippur? Any of the Holy... No, the Catholic Holy uh. Days. Uh, any of the Catholic Holy Day uh, masses he would clean up after. And I would. I was working retail, so I worked little weird hours, and he'd be home sometimes by like 2 in the afternoon from work. And so we would spend a lot of time in the afternoons together and every time he had a holy day that he had just cleaned up with after he would like learn something new and he'd come home and he'd be like mike did you know that catholics believe that in uh, transubstantiation that they believe that uh that it turns into his body and blood and i'm like yeah and he goes no, no no not like a metaphor like like they believe that it literally becomes and i'm like yeah i know that's the old, goes, old Eddie Izzard routine. Yeah. Cannibalism and vampirism. Good way to start a religion. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, he says, do, do you believe that? And I was like, no. <laughs> he goes, does your mother believe that? I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents are still married. That's like an important thing. It's yeah. like my, you know, they have, it's, it is, I tell people that and, and they're like, their mind is blown. Cause I'm like, my mom's not like a, she's not half-assing. I mean, she might think she is because she probably doesn't go to mass every week anymore. Um, even before COVID, like she didn't go to mass every week just because I think she got into routines. They would do stuff on the weekends. Football. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Not, that's not why. <laughs> but it's funny because my mother always maintained that she's Jewish and she believes. That yeah. even, even though we didn't practice that, like she would do some things. Like she'd fast on Yom Kippur unless it was feeling taxing on her as she got older. Then she said, I'm not going to fast because it doesn't feel healthy, which... Jews have that out. Like they're not generally crazy. They don't want to hurt themselves for it. And, you know, she, but she doesn't keep kosher, you know, ever, but except during Passover, unless there was really good Chinese food with shrimp. And, um, but but, I'm going to do Chinese food for dinner tonight. But but one day, um, well, I got to tell you something I heard about recently offline because it's not about this. It's about about Chinese food, which is kind of Jewish. Um, but in a recent conversation with my mother, recently during the pandemic, so within the last two years, she mentioned that she doesn't actually believe in God actually exists as an entity. And I was like, well, so then you're an atheist if you don't believe God exists. She goes, no, I still believe in doing all the Jewish things. I'm like, no, that's fine. But you're doing the things because that's your culture and your religion, but you're not believing it. That's all atheism means, not believing. It doesn't at all mean what you do or how you act it just mm-hmm. means do you believe yes no it's a yes no question there's nothing else attached to, to the word atheism yeah and um and it's just like oh 
I'm going to still call myself Jewish. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's fine. That's yeah. cool. But it's just a new, like in her at, at 81, we have a new understanding that like that she doesn't believe the magic part. Her thing is I feel connected to thousands of years of tradition and all my family and the extended family and whatever, we're all fasting on the same day. And I feel connected to that. And I was like, Ooh, you should read Kafka's the hunger artist because it plays on that concept. It flips it. And, uh, yeah. But I have an English degree, and uh, so you know, yeah. it gets it gets weird. Yeah, I think that's something similar with Catholicism. I mean, everyone that I know in my family, I think, are actually Catholics. But I meet so many people who will call themselves Catholic, and then as soon as you ask follow up questions, you realize like, oh, they really are nothing. But they're because Catholicism is. I mean, I, I would. It's assume really good at ritual. It's and it's it's a it is a culture. Yeah, it, you know, like it's similar to Judaism that, like, in, in a yeah. way that other Christian denominations guilt. aren't as much. Guilt is big. Yeah, they're good at guilt. You do it retail, we do it wholesale. You know, but nice. yeah, but yeah, nice. But I mean, I think what's interesting to me is when it's like American Catholics, eighty percent believe in abortion. You're like, yeah. well, but if the Pope doesn't, then are you really Catholic if you're not? Like, isn't that the 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 most important thing? I'm not going to say that I'm going to determine who isn't who isn't. I'm just saying it's something that I struggle with conceptually. I thought like the number one rule is you follow the Pope, and if you're not following the Pope. Then you're Episcopalian, right? I mean, like that—that—that's—that's that's how that came to be. Yeah, the Pope's infallible. Well, only sometimes. I think he's only infallible when he's doing a specific right in a specific place. He's not like infallible just when he's sitting on the can. Well, know? what if he does a right wrong? Um. Well, two wrongs make a right. I think. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, I want to do before we wrap it up. We've we've gone over time, but we've got a couple things to cut out. But cause... you and I talk for a long time. I don't believe it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I started something on the first episode and I think I want to, I want to follow up with it, uh, on every episode. Why are you taking your pants off? Yeah, that's, that's how this works. You want to be on the podcast? Uh, anyway, um, I want to ask you a question and this is, this question is, is what I asked my friend Adam on the, the first episode. Uh, what is the joke or, or impression about you that somebody's made that is your favorite um so uh i performed improv comedy for decades Mm -hmm. i've taught i've directed i've performed adjacent to performing improv comedy i've done a couple of scripted shows and one of them was the um complete works of shakespeare abridged by the Mm -hmm. reduced shakespeare company and i did it with two other improvisers from my group one of them um, being my best friend for a couple of decades now uh, Mikey and in the intro to Othello it starts out that we were three white people performing and we say we really can't perform an abbreviated version of Othello because we're we're, we're white and it's about um, a Moor which is Shakespeare's way of saying a black person so it wouldn't be right and I, I, the way we did it with a lot of improv in our rehearsals and stuff is I turned to Mikey at one point and Mikey is, is typical white bread American I turned to Mike and I was like, yeah, I mean, this cracker over here can't, you know, play Othello. And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, and this happened first in rehearsal, but then we kept it in the show. We scripted it out, kept it. He goes, yeah, like the Red Sea pedestrian over here can't do that. <laughs> that is a good one. And I was like, yeah, because, you know, the blue eyed devil over here is too busy oppressing people. And he's like, yeah, this matzo crunching it. And we just went back and forth and just doing every Jewish insult he could think of short of truly offensive you know i'm gonna you know burn a cross in your house while saying it words um until i got to the point where kind of stealing from richard Pryor on saturday night live i yelled honky at him and then we stopped quiet for a second then turned to the audience goes you see it just wouldn't work and uh and that was one of my favorite things was as we just just slammed slammed on each other you know he was calling me the the great nostril domus (laughs) because i'm jewish and i have a large nose and uh that that was probably one of my favorites Uh, that's a good one mikey knew how to dig at me well that's good. I the reason I like the uh, the reason I'm going to be asking this question is I think that we get a good insight into who someone is by what they can laugh at about themselves. And so, you there is no short there's yeah. no short list. Say, I performed things. comedy for most of my life. I mean, I'm I'll be 55 this year. I started improv comedy lessons at 12 from a, a professional group in in yeah. you know New York where I was you know the youngest person by by eight years of age probably that they ever had. Um, I was, you know, I would say dragged along, but, you know, begged to be dragged along to go yeah. to improv lessons by my older brother and my uncle. Um, yeah, so I've 
nothing's off limits, which is really dangerous in the worlds of people um, punching down, punching up. Is that is that it's hard to know where lines are when you came from a comedy upbringing where mm -hmm. as long as you knew you didn't mean it, the audience knew you didn't mean it, it was okay. Without the thought, which I think is a correct thought, someone out there may not know you don't mean it and may take offense or may reinforce a bad idea. So I... Yeah. I'm totally in line with the current world of think about what you're making jokes about. Yeah. But at the same time, as an improviser, I don't always have a filter when I'm on, I'm on. Oh, yeah. And it's only after the fact that I can say that was a mistake. Yeah. So. I, I get into that a bit with friends. Uh, so like I have a lot of black friends and with all of my black friends, I am and they seem to be at least comfortable joking about each other's race. And I will say stuff to them that I would never say not in front of them because I've I've been there when someone says something in front of a white guy or white woman and they they take it as like permission or and you're like oh shit I did not want to unlock this box. Oh, so I've got in as a teenager I got into fist fights over yeah. Jew, Jewish jokes not as bad as the ones that Mikey said on stage to me because mm -hmm. someone said it coming from a very different place. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. But, and um, it's funny, I actually have a friend who used to improv comedy thing who also performs children's music. And he, he that's his, his main, um, his, his, it was his, like when he retired from his day job for the next 10 or 15 years, that was his, his, his income. And then he retired to Orlando and he and his wife got part-time jobs at Disney. And he still did like part-time kids music at uh preschools he'd go around to preschools and teach the kids music and sing, teach them sing them songs and such and when i'd go to business trips to orlando we would go meet at the irish pub um that's in downtown disney now disney springs and he would tell me all the raunchiest dirtiest anti-semitic whatever jokes that he had because he's like, I can't say them at the preschools. I can't say them on Disney property. I can't say them to my wife because she's heard them all before. I need you to come so I can unload all my evil. And, uh, it's that, worth it. That uh, it is going to end up on the Instagram for the podcast. <laughs> that little clip, because I'll probably cut this out of the, the actual podcast. But the unload all my yeah. evil bit is good. That's that purpose. I won't say his name. Yeah. <laughs> so I realize you're filming us. I'm not going to say his name. Yeah. All right, um, let's, uh, uh, do you have anything that you want to, I mean, you already mentioned the triangle free thought and yeah, that was an important one. Um, you can plug anything you want to plug. I really set you up there. You're not going to take it. I mean, I can mention some of the podcasts that we listen to if you want to, places people can go to learn. Yeah. If you, if you're interested, I, mean, I mentioned the parent, the parent organizations of TFS. I mentioned TFS. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I need to plug think, anyone else's podcast. I'm I, fine. Yeah. I think setting up community is more, yeah. is I, more, I mentioned important. more important. The thing. podcasts, even that, I mean, like I did not go into the beginner skate, uh, beginning skeptic and atheism podcasts. Uh, I like got in the deep end and then learned how to swim. Yeah. Uh, so like the stuff I don't, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't I, think, I think that the diatribe on, on the, on scathing, scathing is, is a really good thing that I sometimes want to send to people. Well, they, but, they do break them out yeah. onto YouTube sometimes separate by themselves yeah. or an audio boom separate by themselves because they, they realize some of them are worth sharing. Yeah. But if somebody is like curious about atheism, I definitely wouldn't recommend that to start. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's, yeah, I don't know that one. I'm thinking I'm good. I think honestly, as, as, and 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 you're the the testament to this. Uh, I think that the best thing for somebody who doesn't know if they are or thinks they may be an atheist is getting around people that are atheists, and that's why like I want to be open about atheism, and I think a lot of people wonder why we want to talk about it, and that is, you know, the the Matt Dillahunnies of the world have a real clear purpose and they're an important part of the thing there also has to be someone who you're like that's, that's just kind of a fun dude who he he challenges my my mental image of what i think yeah this is and so that, I, I i can have, i can have a parting thought i can think of something yeah. i could say as a parting thought good so as a parting thought i want to return to something you mentioned earlier you said something about not well a couple times actually you mentioned not telling your mom that, that you're I haven't atheist. said the words. I think she knows. Yeah, but and I think that's an important thing for people to realize if someone is coming out of religion, if coming out of belief, is that you are under no obligation to tell people that you don't believe it. If 
Especially if you think it's going to hurt them. Right. Like, there's no reason that your grandmother needs to know on her deathbed that you think she's not going to heaven. Like, yeah. there's just no reason. Yeah. You know, you don't have to feel obligated, you know, to come out. You don't have to feel obligated to do anything other than be the person they love. Right. And that's and that's fine. I guess, like, there's no call to evangelicalize, you know, when, yeah. when you're an atheist. Um, and I, I think that it, you'd be surprised how many people are non-believers who just don't mention to you. Recently... We've done um, tabling, so I've been to some like anti-gun violence things and some other kind of uh, activist, you know, outdoor events where you set up a table and people come over. And Did we've not had a... know that that's what that was called. Definitely yeah. thought that sounded like a sexual thing. Yeah, we've well, done some tabling. Well, for Marcus and I, it kind of is. Um, but, but like, but we're there, and people say, "Why are we there?" You know, especially like gun violence. Why are we there? I'm like, well, when you're a tragic, traumatic event, like if you're a survivor, if you witness the violence, if a family member was hurt, whatever. You might go to your church and say, I need support for my community. And not everybody has a church community. And we're here to let people know who are non-believers that there is a non-believer community. There are people out there. And what I, I bring up the tabling because we were shocked, uh, my friends who worked the table with me and I, how many people came by and were like, yeah, I didn't know there was a group like this. I mean, I don't, I don't tell anybody that I don't believe. I, and I'd love to talk about it with someone. You know, do you guys get together? And we're like, yeah, we have in-person hangouts. You know, we call them Happy Heathen Hour. And we got a virtual one that we do online so that people who don't want to come out or can't come out can chat. Yeah. Um, actually, someone this week, an ex-Hindu, was on my chat um, from New York. Like, he saw the social media, saw a tweet about it. And he was like, I don't know anyone to talk about who's ex-Hindu. And uh, my wife was not on the call, so he didn't get to talk directly with her. But we, but I was like, I get it. I understand how yeah. it's your entire culture is tied up in your religion when you're Catholic, when you're Jewish, when you're Hindu, when you're Muslim, um, when you're sick. It's all tied up in there. And it's hard to tell someone, I don't believe this part anymore. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, but there's no, but I'd say, take, I'll take away. There's more of us than you realize there are. Yep. Not everyone knows the word or cares about the word. Just there's more people who don't actively believe than you right. think. And it's, um, you don't have to tell people. It's fine. Yeah. But if you can, that's great too because it normalizes it and lets people know. Like Sarah found out. Yeah. yeah, the fun people throwing a party who let your kids play with their action figures are yeah. atheists. We're not all um, like, you know, trying to kidnap your children and sacrifice them. Right. Because uh, there's nowhere to sacrifice them to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing. Atheists are not Satanists. There is... There are two different Satanist organizations that are atheist organizations that use Satan as a symbol and a metaphor yeah. as for rebellion and for not following religious rules, but they don't believe in an incarnation of Satan. We have a word for people who believe in an incarnation of Satan, and that word is Christians. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end it. Um, if, you, if you like the podcast, leave us a review. Um, please subscribe. I'm assuming at this point you're already subscribed. Um, and uh yeah thank you and and uh we'll we'll get back to you next week